Musa. Sergeant Polisic on the run. Polisic has Wea. Polisic rolls it in to Wea. Welcome to the Booted Podcast with your hosts, Matt Crum and Jake Lucas. Matt, is there something missing today? There's a lot missing, <laughs> which we'll get into. But was there a certain snap, crackle, pop that you thought yeah, was our, missing? Our traditional all of beer. Uh, yes. We didn't get to crack the beer open, but uh, hopefully we'll tell all of our viewers in uh, in a minute. Like, what's that all about? Yeah, why is there no snap open of a beer? Yeah, the mystery continues for a little bit longer. Okay, well, happy 2023, Jake. Yeah, happy 2023. What a year. It's been, it's a little weird to say it because here we are on uh, the middle of January. We're kind of past that oh, happy new year thing. But we haven't talked to our audience yet, so happy new year, everybody. Yes, happy new year. It's the 16th of January right now, so it's still socially acceptable, uh, acceptable to say that. Yeah, you could say happy new year through the whole month of January, I feel like, right? Yeah, I feel like it starts getting weirder, like... Probably that third or fourth week in January when you see people for the first time. I'm like, hey, like, do you still say it or? I don't know. Yeah, like St. Patrick's Day in March. You're like, (laughs) hey, man, Happy New Year. Yeah. And then it's like Easter. It's like you're saying, hey, Happy New Year. Although, when is the Chinese New Year? The Lunar New Year. Is that what it is called? That's that's true. I think it's uh might be coming up in late January. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. What year is it? Like the animal? I have no idea. Can tell, get Google to tell us. Get Google to tell us. Yeah. Well, while you're doing that, you know, the overall theme of this podcast, really, it's 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 just kind of a whole new world out there for us, you know? Under on a magic carpet ride. Whole new world. A whole yes. new world. A new fantastic point of it's a new fantastic point of view, And it Jake. can take us anywhere. It can. It could. Yeah. It could. Much like a magic carpet ride, as one wise sage Aladdin once told us. Yeah, and so you might you might be wondering, okay, we haven't heard of heard you from you guys since the World Cup, since like the US got knocked out of the World Cup. That is because we had some technical difficulties on our Total huge recap post show. That audio file still lives. We just could not get it edited. <laughs> yes, I'm very happy that didn't include my prediction for uh, the Netherlands uh, United States game because I would have looked like a fool. Yeah. Oh, that yes. It was before the Netherlands game. Jake was very optimistic. <laughs> yes, but going back to the Chinese New Year. Yes. Uh, the Chinese New Year is January 22nd. So. You could say Happy oh, New Year after that. Perfect. Uh, but year twenty twenty three is the year of the rabbit. The year of the rabbit. rabbit. Yes. Is there any kind of special meaning behind rabbit? What's uh, going on there? Really interesting. Uh, <laughs> Did it just predict your future? No. Yeah. It's like you get married in this in this year. You're gonna have the happiest happiest marriage and like the best years of your life. Really? <laughs> no. That's good. Oh, it, is, it doesn't say that, but I mean, like that's what's going to happen. People get married in twenty twenty three. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only to be you know outdone by those who got married in twenty twenty one. That's true. Odd <laughs> years are the way to go. Odd years, yes. Get married an odd year, everyone. Yes. All right. Well, I think we need to to get to the mystery of why there was no beer cracking at the beginning of this podcast. And Matt, would you like to explain why? 
Yes, yes, yes. For some weird reason, Jake and I, as as, as well as Jake's fiance Allison, not my wife, <laughs> are doing Whole30 for the month of January. Yeah, and I uh, I think this stemmed from Allison. Really? Um, yeah, Allison really wanted to do it. And was like, hey, like look at this. I was like, great. Let's try to do it. And then I remember one time you're like, man, I got to do something for my body. Like, I think I could do Whole30. Yeah, I was like, great. Matt, Matt's already thinking about it. So I was like, well, why don't we do it? And we asked Matt to do it. Yeah, yeah. So we found accountability partners just organically there. Yeah, we uh, we started the program trying to have the same uh, meals that we shared through a document, yes. which we called Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels. We were all wondering, so going into this, I... Not a good cook. Didn't do a whole. Don't do a whole lot of cooking, as my wife will attest. Matt, before you married Katrina, what was your go-to meal to cook? Uh, well, <clears throat> some vegetables <laughs> and uh, typically the frozen variety, uh, some sort of carb and some sort of protein, just kind of all mixed up together. Nice. What was that protein? A lot of tuna, sometimes <laughs> chicken, a lot of club club crackers. Nice. It was it was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now we went from that to whole thirty. Yeah, that it's it's quite a transformation. So I was like on it for the first week. I was making the we so you made the chili, I made the chili. There's this awesome whole thirty chili uh, that we both made. I made a buffalo chicken casserole. Oh, really, really good. I, we have actually made that twice. My wife's been very supportive. She's kind of doing like whole fifteen, like mm-hmm. kind of a half whole thirty. She she's a very healthy individual, so it's really no big deal to eat the meals that I'm eating now, but. But how do you feel, Jake? How's it going for you? Yeah, it's going great. I thought I was going to struggle with like craving uh, more sugar, like the candy bars I don't normally have, or having a beer and candy stuff like bars. That. How yeah. many candy bars do you normally have in a week? Ooh, that's uh, I probably have like at least one every other day. It's wow, not great. So <laughs> I felt like I was going through the shakes the first two or three days, but yeah, I mean, that's helping my bank account. Uh, just eating cashews and uh, grapes instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, I feel feel better, feel more rested, and a little more energy here and there. But just like body wise, I I feel great. I feel yeah. like this is this could get us in shape and get us ready to be Tim Ream in twenty twenty six. It starts now. It starts <laughs> now. Yeah, honestly, uh, real review out there. Whole thirty works. Like, yes. <laughs> feel good. The energy is so. I think most people are are used to like having their morning caffeine, being really energetic during the day and then crashing at night. For me, the energy just kind of like stays consistent all the way through the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. It's yeah, weird. I agree that. There's the, like no go crashing. Yeah. The one thing I need to like figure out is like the working out. Like, yeah, because I feel like I crash when I work out. That's true for me too. I, I feel like I can work out normally, but yeah, the, the stamina isn't quite there sometimes, but so, you know, that kind of leads us to our what are we drinking segment. Water. Because <laughs> that's all we can drink. Yes. Staying very hydrated here. Yeah, Staying water or coffee. And I don't think coffee is a good idea for like 730 at night. No, no. So I, I had my wife. So my wife's a big coffee drinker. I am not a big coffee drinker. I had my wife make me a iced coffee this morning. And, you know. It's okay. I just don't like the taste of coffee. I just yeah. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. Yeah, like that's the whole thing too. Well, the whole thing with Whole30. The whole uh, thing. You can't add those sugars or milk, creamer, anything like that. So you just have to have it black. Yeah. Well, there's this thing called nut pods, which Ooh. is Whole30 approved. 
And so it's uh, we've got a pumpkin spice version of it. So you can, it is a creamer. It is a little past pumpkin spice yeah. time, you know. Well, you can say you're just getting ready for the pumpkin spice. Yeah. For I'm starting fall early, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Starting fall early. Yeah, as soon as the Christmas tree comes down, it's fall season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Jake. Well, as I mentioned, we're we're New Year, new us, whole new world out there. We're going to take a break from the men's national team focus. We spent pretty much a whole year and a half leading up to the World Cup on men's national team, men's national team, men's national team. There are many other components of the U.S. soccer system that we need to touch on, Jake. Yeah, we do. And I think uh, if you want to go catch up with the new men's national team news, you can go on Twitter and just see all the drama. Uh, yeah, we might we might get into that, but honestly, we're, we're kind of sick to our stomachs about it. There is drama in the men's national program. We'll touch on it later, but best to avoid it. We'll start we'll start on a happier, happier notes. Yes. Uh, we're going to go through the upcoming World Cup, the Women's World Cup. In on in the land down under, <laughs> <laughs> living a land down under. Yeah, that was a half half hearted attempt there at, at mine. But New yeah. Zealand and Australia will be hosting mm-hmm. the women's World Cup, and the women are in January camp actually right now, and so they've got pretty much their A team gearing up for some some uh, some warm up matches, friendly matches, etc. And they're uh, where are they playing their those games? Uh, so the warm up that they're going to play is in New Zealand, and they're going to play against New Zealand. I, that might be the only one that they're playing right now. They've probably got some other friendlies lined up. Um, I think that's like probably one of the smarter things you can do, and I think that's always like a veteran move by the national team, or especially the women's. Yeah, like whatever World Cup, like wherever the World Cup's hosted that year, or the year before, they're going there and playing friendlies. So you're just used to yes, like the country and just like being like, hey, like we've done this, we've been here. It's not something yeah. new to us. You know, it takes it takes used to the way that the toilets flush in the other direction. That's true. Right? I mean, yeah. you can't just walk into a World Cup and see that and be able to perform. Yeah, that, like, picture seeing that in the locker room. Like, that's going to throw you off every time. Yeah, yeah. You come out, it's like, Coach, stop your yeah. beer game talk. Like, am I supposed to be on the right side of the field or the left side of the field? <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> Are we supposed to score on our own goal and get goals or what? Everything's so, confusing. Uh, yeah, I, I hear Alex Morgan is going to lead that committee, you know. <laughs> like checking out the toilets? Yeah, toilet, toilet checker outer. Oh, my so. gosh. Uh, yeah, and then we're, we're just gonna, so the very, the other thing we're gonna do is, some of our very first podcasts, we just kind of talked about the U.S. soccer system in general, leaning towards the men's focus between, you know, youth and sort of the pro level and kind of what's underneath the pro level, but we're just, we're just gonna take stock of that in 2020, 20, or 2023, ooh, I almost said 2022, wow, see, not even used to this new year, so we'll take stock of that, just kind of you know, send you all some thoughts on, on where we think we're, we're standing at. Uh, and then MLS is right around the corner. So we'll we'll do a preview of a preview of that. We'll have a more in-depth preview later on, I think, probably in February. But a preview of a preview. We'll... And then lastly, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll work our way back to the U.S. men's national team because we always do. We'll talk about some young players that we're excited about both in MLS and in Europe that haven't been headline news from the World Cup team that just competed, but you might see their names popping up in conversations over these next couple of years. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that. Especially this year with the U-20 World Cup. That's right. Three World Cups in a row in about, what, 10 months, eight yeah. months? 
it's it's wild. Yeah, fun it is wild. stuff. All right, Jake. So tell me a little bit more about the women's national team set up right now. So yeah, just looking at like where we are right now with uh, the women's uh, World Cup, they expanded from it was sixteen teams or twenty four teams now to thirty two. Twenty four to thirty two. That's right. We're up. Yeah. So now it just follows that four groups of eight, and with our group that we'll be facing, we'll be facing the ne- Netherlands. That's that right. We'll be facing the final in twenty nineteen. That's when it, yeah, the last final was 2019. Yeah, the Women's World Cup, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that we played them in the final. We actually watched that game together in Chicago. We before did. Before the World Cup final. We did. Yeah, that was a, that was a fun time. That's, what, that's right. Wow, blast from the past. Yeah. And then we play uh, Vietnam. Um, and then the other, other person from the group will be the playoff winner of, like, Cameroon, Portugal, or Thailand. That's right. That's right. So Cam- so Cameroon and Thailand are playing in a play-in. Mm-hmm. Then the winner of that plays Portugal, and then the winner of that gets into the group. Very, very oddly similar to the to the men's group. I feel like. <laughs> yeah, because you have like one world power, and um, well, obviously we're the world power. But, <laughs> Two uh, world powers. Yeah, yeah, us in the Netherlands. And then just having somebody come off like a playoff game. Yeah, two two pretty smaller nations. Yeah, it's a pretty favorable group overall, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it should be, it's going to be the group. We should win the group. Um, it'd be like that top seat or like that number one spot to play like the number two from the other group that we'd be facing. Right, right. That would totally be the goal. The Netherlands, they are the most recent Euros women's winner. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are no slouch. I mean, I really think you can compare it to how strong of a favorite England was. They, they, they might not be the favorited European women's team, but certainly within the top two or three, yeah. I think. So they will be a very, very stern test. Uh, and so I'll jump into the... So like I said, we were basically at full strength for this January camp. So it's it's a lot of the names that you know and love. Uh, Alyssa Nayher in, in, the, in, in goal. She's kind of the, the established number one right now. Uh, you have the ageless wonder, speaking of ageless wonders, and Tim Ream, Becky Sauerbrunn, who, get this, 37 years old, 211 caps. Wow. 211. Unbelievable. She is just ageless as they come. Uh, Crystal Dunn is also a defender that you will know. Emily Sonnet you'll probably recognize. In the midfield, you got Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Christy Mewis, um, and then up top, of course, you have Alex Morgan and really a lot of new talent in the midfield and forwards, which we'll get into. But um, no, no, uh, Megan Rapino, she's recovering from injury. So that's the other name that would be included. But for this camp, it is not so. But there's a lot of young talent that essentially the past the past year or so. And when we witnessed this when we went to see them play against Nigeria basically integrating in those young players. So some some players in the back that I was impressed with, right? Sofia Huerta, uh, Alana Cook, a really strong central defensive or central defender, uh, Sam Coffey, Ashley Sanchez, Andy Sullivan, Ashley Hatch up top, uh, Trinity Rodman, who is just, I think is going to, she's only 20 years old. I think she's going to really take off. Lynn Williams and uh, Mallory Pugh, who is now Mallory Swanson because she got married. 
Oh, and wow. She switched her name. Yeah, you might see uh, Mallory Swanson and not know who that is. Yeah, that's why I was thrown off by it. That is the that is the old Mallory Pugh. Oh, that's good. I I think just looking at the team too, it's like that mix of young players and uh, veterans too. Yeah, they always won at the World Cup. So yeah, and like the great part about it, um, I think all like all the players basically besides like one or two actually play in NW. All of them play in NWSL. Yeah. So they all have like the same style and uh, something like everybody can actually go and watch too. Yes. Um, but yeah, like really excited to see these like younger players go push through and really excited about them. And even like Megan yeah. Rapino, like when the World Cup comes, if she's healthy and wants to go, I think she'll be there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's you still have your old guard, but really success in Australia and New Zealand is going to depend on this younger generation. So it's 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 a new era. It truly is. They uh, so the women's national team were last in action in October, November. They went overseas to play in England, in Spain, and then they had a doubleheader against Germany. Here, they actually lost three out of those four matches, mm-hmm. losing both games overseas, and then they traded two one wins with uh, Germany. So, you know, a lot of people will say, ah, they're looking pretty shaky. Maybe Europe's catching up. I do think Europe is catching up to the U.S. dominance. I, I think it's only, I think it was only a matter of time, but I, I'm honestly not too worried. I mean, those were all very close competitive games. They're friendlies. Coaches are experimenting. We won't really know where this U.S. women's national team, this new generation is, probably until the knockout stages of this World Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that, too. Um, I mean, like, as we know, like, friendlies, you really can't get up too much for. Um, right. When you're playing the U.S., you do have, like, that, like, target on the back of your chest or on your back. So That's right. Like, people playing against you want to give you the best effort. But even against, like, the England match, like, I thought we played, just watching that game, we played pretty decent uh, with it, too. And then I think there was, like, controversial, like, VAR call. Uh, with that but the yeah. Spain game we played like a bunch of different like people that really haven't played together but now that was just like the feeling it out and now it's like hey like here's the roster of like 23 25 people that we're bringing mm-hmm. and trying to win the World Cup yeah I mean the great thing about these friendlies is those names that we just listed off they got to have time together against really good competition as you mentioned the lineups kind of sweat were kind of altered for each of them um, you know, with some, you know, Sauer Brun was usually always in there. Alex Morgan usually always started in striker, right? So Rose Lavelle, Lindsey Horan. So that, that core was always there, but those younger players kind of cycled in. And so it's great. I mean, it's, it's exactly the kind of tough games that you want the year before World Cup to really, you know, bring the whole team together. Yeah. <clears throat> Even for like She Believes Cup this year, um, they're not playing any European teams, but they're playing... Uh, Canada, Na- or they're playing in Nashville, not playing against Nashville, but uh, they play Canada and Orlando, Japan and Nashville, and then Brazil and uh, Texas. Uh, so good mix there, but no European teams. And then I think those are going to be the last competitive games uh, before the World Cup. Yeah, that's right. So I was I was actually mistaken. We're going to play New Zealand twice in January at, at the end of this uh, January camp. And then, as you say, the She Believes Cup will be in February, so Canada and Japan and Brazil. Uh, and then those are kind of the scheduled 
games until July. I'm sure there's going to be at the very least a closed door, if not more official international friendlies. But um, yeah, Brazil, Japan, Canada. I mean, those are perfectly competitive women's teams to get ready for. Yeah. And the most exciting thing about this World Cup for the women's, the games uh, are basically at night. So the first two games are at nine. Well, first two games are at nine o'clock. The last one is horrible. Uh, but Friday, July 21st, there's a game at 9 p.m. 9 p.m.? 9 p.m. USA, Vietnam. Really? Yeah. So that sounds like we're going to a bar and watching it, just like what we did for the USA-Wales game. Yeah. What's the what's the Australia time? So let's just see. Okay. Sydney local time is what? Sydney local time. So it's 7.43 Okay, so they, they're eight hours behind us. Okay, so it'd be a 1 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah, that's uh, the first game. The second game is Wednesday the 26th at 9 p.m. Uh, so, like, Wednesday night at 9. Okay, so two 9 p.m. games. <laughs> and then Tuesday, August 1st is at 3 a.m. 3 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a record and watch later. For sure. 3 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Oh, well, it reminds me of the 2002 World Cup in uh, South Korea where it was pretty much all the games were really early in the morning. But that's great that we're getting two nine games. Yeah, that's really solid. All right, well, the countdown begins for the women's national team. Can they repeat? Yes, and can they figure out the toilet situation? Can can they figure out the toilets? Can they prove that... It goes counterclockwise. Yes, yes. We're gonna need we're gonna need social media proof of this, Alex Morgan. You're on it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a step back, Jake. Let's take a let's take a take a fifty thousand foot view of American soccer right now. We just had the the men's World Cup. We performed pretty well. I think we proved what we need to prove. How would you sum up the American soccer system? I'd say it's starting to get more uniformed. Uniformed. Explain yeah. uniformed. So, like, when we were growing up with U.S. soccer, it seemed like you had so many different things going on. You had ODP, that was supposed to be for the Olympic uh, like development program. Like you had that program. You had your travel teams that were supposed to get you to college, and then you started like breaking out with these MLS academies. Right. Uh, now it's more of, like, everything funneling into uh, this, like, underneath – professional soccer you have mls next mm-hmm. which is taking over the da ecnl edp all these different acronyms now like that's the top of the top playing against each other mm-hmm. uh so it's basically mls clubs or these really really competitive youth soccer clubs it's almost like like the basketball like ua uh but it's under one umbrella now and now it's just like funneling up there mm-hmm. and then like these players they're going either pro uh, or going to college. So it feels like it's more uniform there. And now USL is creating their own academy uh, to go play. I believe the academies are playing in MLS next, but yeah. uh, those players are going to USL teams instead of Major League Soccer teams. So, so I, you're saying, so the so the academy, yeah, right. So there's a, there's all of the MLS academies are in MLS next, and then there's a few independent clubs. So what you're saying, what about the players that are going yeah, they're just like feeding into the USL teams, that lower division for American soccer. Oh, I see. Yeah, so like the Richmond Kickers or like Louisville City 
soccer club. They have their own academies, but they're going to play for that first team in the United States Soccer League and that's second division soccer. Oh, yeah. going to like the Columbus Crew or FC Cincinnati. Right, 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 right. So not only are the MLS teams continuing to develop their academies, there's also these other division teams, essentially USL teams that have a stronger funding that are able to field youth teams. And so they are creating a kind of a pathway to the pros as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's almost like everything's changed, but nothing's changed. There, there's still a lot of fragmentation. And I'm sure, depending on which con- part of the country that you live in, you're probably going into a slightly different system to get where you need to go. But yeah, no, I think, so the MLS Next, yeah, I think that's kind of the consolidation of, of the MLS Youth Academies, and then and then everything else. So so as USL has grown, I think that's given them an opportunity to develop youth as well. Yeah, but like all these all these elite clubs, it go it's supposed to go for like the hierarchy. Like MLS next is it. So like if you have if you're an elite club in the United States, you probably have at least three or four MLS next teams. So like you don't need to be like Chicago. You can be in the middle of Illinois still be part of it if your team is like highly rated and you're you've shown you develop players and stuff like that wait so you're saying that there are any given mls team has multiple mls next teams well they have one per division but it doesn't say like in a one region. per age division yeah oh yeah but it's not just mls teams it's also like teams around here you have like arlington they're part of mls next yeah alexandria there's just a bunch of youth soccer clubs that are part of it and part of the funnel now Oh, the so they don't teams. they don't compete under Arlington Soccer Association. They do. They do? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. I didn't It's a good thing you're here. I didn't do my uh, my homework here. Yeah. No, it's all good. Um, so, okay. I get it because they also did that under the academy system. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. So that's interesting. So let's so I'm going to the standings. U17 boys. Okay, so in the West Division, for example, it's basically all MLS teams. But in the Northeast Division, you have the FC Boston Bolts, the Cedar Stars, the Seacoast United, um, and you don't have any you don't have any MLS teams in the Northeast Division uh, or the Southeast Division. So is there like a so that's a West? Interesting. So it looks like the MLS teams are grouped together in their own divisions. And then all the other clubs are in these other different divisions. Okay, so like the East-South division is Atlanta, Charlotte, Nashville, Inter-Miami, and Orlando. That makes sense. Okay. So are you saying that these other divisions with no MLS teams are kind of like Division 2s? Yeah, they're like the members. The members, okay. Yeah, so like they're, they're part of like MLS saying like, hey, these are clubs that are well-known, good at developing talent. Yeah. <clears throat> now part of this program uh, to hopefully feed into MLS clubs or develop their own players to go and play. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know so many other clubs were involved. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you look at like Virginia, it's Alexandria and then Springfield uh, Youth Club. And then for Maryland, I can't get to Maryland, Achilles FC, which is in Bethesda. Uh, Baltimore Armor, and then Bethesda Soccer Club, which is a historic club. Interesting. Interesting. 
Okay, so you have that whole infrastructure, and they're they're bringing a lot of local clubs, depending on where you are. Into the yeah, and I'm just looking at the USL. So the USL has something called a USL Academy. I'm sure it's much much less developed. So I'm looking at yeah. So there are other clubs in the USL structure, for example, but. It sounds like the top of the top right now is these clubs getting folded into MLS next. Mm-hmm. Now, how many of these clubs feeding into MLS next are pay-to-play stuff? I'm not, I mean, I'm assuming they all are because that's how you make money in youth soccer. Right. Pay-to-play. Um, but I wouldn't. Be, I think all Major League Soccer teams are no longer pay-to-play. Right. Yeah, so if but, you make it onto an, an academy of an MLS team, it's no longer pay-to-play. Yeah, it's no longer pay-to-play. I think D.C. United and Real Salt Lake were the last two. The last two. Yeah. But I think that those two changed. But I think there's, like, a stipulation, like, if you're on one of these top teams, it's not pay-to-play. I could be completely wrong, though. So it might vary by club. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That would make sense. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the big thing, right? And so the reason why in most soccer you know, big soccer countries, you typically don't have pay to play is because the soccer clubs have enough money to fund the youth system. Here, I feel like, as you just said, MLS is finally financially stable enough to do that. Mm -hmm. And so whether how that develops, I think, is probably from here. I mean, because we can only have so many MLS teams. Will there be other situations out there outside of the whatever they cap MLS out at? You know, how will that work? Or, or maybe, maybe a MLS team in Texas will just keep having those network of partners, and they'll kind of fund as basically as as much as they can, kind of fund those pay to plays, and just kind of expand out. Maybe, maybe it'll work like that. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, but like we also like looking at the USL. That's a competitor. For major league soccer yes like the lower division but like when you look at these better countries a lot of them have that second division that's feeding into the first division yes or to overseas so i think like we're seeing really great results with mls next the mls academies but that next step for american soccer is that divi- like that second division the usl and the usl academies to feed into either mls or start selling those players overseas which yep. a club like louisville city is doing right and that's kind of a good segue to the the pro side of the American soccer system because we're dancing around it, but there's the also the MLS Next Pro. It was also the big announcement. I think it began in 2022, mm-hmm. but before that, the MLS had their reserve sides. <laughs> you might have heard a hilarious sneeze in the background. Uh, my poor dog has the flu. Oh man. He is uh, sneezing and coughing, but he's doing good. He's doing good. <laughs> that was a pretty funny <laughs> sneeze attack, though. Back to what I was saying. Before that, the MLS reserve teams and our U23 teams, whatever they wanted to call them, were playing in these USL divisions, along with New Mexico United, Louisville City SC, uh, Pittsburgh Riverhounds, et cetera, et cetera. Now they made a bold move to create their own thing. So tell us more about Next Pro and that vision. Yeah, so that MLS like Next Pro is that dot like that kind of like college bound kid, the kid that's getting a college scholarship but isn't going to be with the first team right now. 
So it's giving them the option to hopefully stay with that MLS club, uh, develop as a reserve, and then make that jump to the first team. Instead of going to college. Instead of going to college, uh-huh. instead of playing the USL. Because like what was happening, like you had like these teams that like an MLS team would buy, use, and there were like three or four uh, in major in uh, USL and like their highest division uh, that would be basically playing academy kids right. or kids that were just signed to the first team and then work their way to the MLS first team. Yeah. So instead of doing that, now USL is going to get stronger, focus on the competition, and you're playing better teams, hopefully, better quality. And those are people that are dedicated to the USL team, and they're not going in and out of the team. Yeah. Now you have that structure, and then looking what MLS Next did for the youth soccer structure, they're hoping to do that for the reserves. So you're having your almost like your reserve league um, with, like, all these players that are high, like MLS, borderline MLS caliber, playing against each other, growing, and hopefully having that stuff for the academy player to jump there and have basically a 14-year-old play against a 30-year-old and then hopefully make that jump to the first team. Yeah. If you're confused, people, you're not alone. The American (laughs) soccer system is incredibly confusing. But I think what Jake is saying is, it used to be that the MLS reserve or youth teams were kind of muddying the USL waters. So, for example, Loudoun United, the local DC USL affiliate, or used to be USL affiliate, they're now an MLS Next Pro, correct? Yeah. They were essentially fielding. No, they're, they're still USL. They are still USL. Yeah. So DC United has the its its own Next Pro team now. No, uh, they're one of the, they're I think one of the only teams that doesn't have uh, MLS okay. Next Pro. So they're 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 a little bit more of an exception, but yeah. so yeah, so a lot of MLS teams were just fielding a, a a total youth team, while these other USL clubs were fielding full professional teams. Yeah. With so I I think it's almost like if you look at commonalities, it's the way that it used to be structured. It was like baseball, where USL was AAA, MLS was the pros. Yep. So now like what they're doing and you didn't have every team going to a pro team. So you had these play like these clubs that are triple a trying to win the championship, things like that. When other teams are just focusing on developing players, right. getting them to another team. So now that's separate. So now you almost have two major league baseballs. Yes. Going at each other, but one is far superior than the other. Yes. Yeah. We're kind of compete. Is that good for American soccer to have this whole other division USL? trying to develop their own and fund their own fully professional teams. What is that a think? bad thing? Well, I'm asking, is it a good no, thing or a bad thing? it's a great thing. thing. You think it's a great thing? Yeah, it's going to get better quality players, and there's going to be more cash, hopefully bought. Like, Think about it. Like, If you, if you do this, this is investment in the lower levels, mm-hmm. and why can't we have promotion relegation? Because there's no money in lower level right now to sustain... And this is building a sustainable model where down the line, maybe in our lifetime, you can get to the promotion relegation. Yeah, right, right. So everybody should be happy with this, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't dive too deep into the promotion relegation battle. If you listen to one of our first episodes on that where we were, we were duking it out. And we were fighting. We were fighting over there. There was that. fistfights after it. Kirby was going nuts. Yeah. We didn't know what was, to do. It was, it was wild. Yeah, so that that's what we have. That's what we have. So we have the youth system. You know, we again. So in summary, we have the 
MLS academies through MLS Next who are also bringing in local other clubs who develop talent in network with them and kind of identified talent to to basically graduate to the MLS, the U-17 DC United MLS Next team, for example, mm-hmm. or the U-19 or the U-14, whatever it is. But there's, you know, there's the, all the age groups. Uh, so that's that's one side of it. And then you've got everything. We'll just call it everything else. There's USL academies trying to do similar sorts of things. There's just other clubs in other places doing other things. It's it's still a very fragmented system, but that's that's basically the overall summary of the the youth system. And then again in the pros we have MLS and MLS Next Pro, and as as their kind of reserve slash youth development system exclusive, and you have USL doing what they're doing exclusive to them. So yeah. no more mixing and matching. And we're not even talking about the other like smaller divisions underneath those. Which oh man, I think, I think Mac could basically do a whole entire thesis on that. I used to be big into lower league soccer. There's there's NISA, which is all sorts of problems. There's NPSL, which is actually a pretty stable, you know, semi-pro amateur league. There's US something something. There's there's tons of them. And they're all trying to become the next big thing and trying to take down MLS, but uh, they're all failing in their own unique way. Anyway, so that's yeah. So so I'm glad we were able to confuse you for those last 15 minutes. But that is the American soccer system. That's how people like Tyler Adams and Aronson brothers and yes. Josh Sargent. That's how they all come into the world. Is yeah, get through scout- the system. Get scouted. Hopefully, you're part of an academy system, and then just go pro somewhere. That's right. That's right. If only life was that easy. <laughs> we're still waiting to get scouted. Yeah, we, st- you and I, it'll happen before twenty twenty six. Yeah, I'm really hoping like one of my like district sports uh, teams or like Northern Virginia teams that I played on, like one of these teams make it to like the like where they're playing against like these semi professional clubs or professional clubs in U.S. Open Cup. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the yeah, there are a few leagues around here that do that. Yeah, I play a pickup with some guys who have played preliminary U.S. Open Cup matches and. <laughs> There's some good players out there, (laughs) but they all have other full-time jobs and they're just, you know, trying to be as athletic as they can. Yeah. Living the dream. Living the dream. Well, let's, let's move into, that's a perfect segue to our next topic. Our preview of a preview of MLS. It's right around the corner, Jake. When is kickoff? February 25th. February 25th. All right. On Apple TV. Yes. Yeah. Why don't you tell our audience where they're going to be watching MLS this year? Yeah, so you're either going to be watching it at a stadium, either either Fox, or uh, you could get Apple TV Plus. Yes. Uh, So that's an added subscription. It's $9.99 a month uh, for, I think it's less than 12 months, so like 9 or 10 months. Yeah, uh, for for the the season, season, for the season. Yeah, yeah. so you get every game, uh, which is great. So you get every single Major League Soccer game. Uh, but you also get exclusive like content that you're gonna have from these teams, and with Apple, like their whole thing is about storytelling and how they basically like sold everybody like, hey, you need this phone where you get blue text, and if you get a green text, you hate that person, because we get that as Android users. <laughs> uh, but they just tell such a great story, and now they're pushing it on Major League Soccer clubs to go and develop these stories and develop these like fan hoods that are basically 
going to live behind this content, but also be able for them to use like on their social channels and stuff like that. So, oh, um, it should be really cool to see how it grows the game, okay, uh, or okay. if it like hinders because it's behind a paywall, right? Yeah, I mean, par for the course, though. You can't watch any sport these days without going through a paywall. I personally probably can't afford another subscription. <laughs> My wife and I realized that we pay a crazy amount of money in just subscriptions because we have them all because, you know, you need them all. So here's another. So basically, I'll have to get rid of one to get this one. But I will get it. I will get it. So are you willing to sacrifice Champions League? Nope, got to keep Paramount Plus. Got to keep Peacock for Premier League. Ah, shoot, I don't know. (laughs) Can't cut ESPN. Can't cut ESPN, no. ESPN's too important for all all sorts of sports. It's going to be a tough decision, Jake. It's going to be a tough decision. I'm (laughs) going to have to dig deep here. I have to share a code. Yeah, hey, maybe you and I will just get get a subscription together. It's true. How many? How, that's the that's the what you always have to look into the fine print. And we can use how our, many accounts can you have? We can use the booted podcast email that I don't think we've used for anything else. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Ghost emails, love it. Yes, love it. Um, but <laughs> on the flip side of that, it should be should be pretty fun. I mean, LAFC coming back now. Gareth Bale retired. That's right. Um, Gareth Bale is no more the hero of MLS Cup 2022. Yeah, and destroying Matt's uh, betting. Uh, uh, MLS Cup final. Ugh, so close. Yeah, so close. Philly, you let me down. Yeah, but it it should be interesting. I mean, we see it every year. There's always two or three surprise teams that go from the bottom half of the table to the middle or to the top. So, a uh, few coaches coaching changes like here and there. Hernan uh, Lasada is in Montreal. He used to coach at DC United and wow. got fired. Um, and then we have Montreal's coach uh, Wilfried Nancy. Yes, he went from Montreal to the Columbus Crew. That's right. So a little little shuffle here and there, but uh, not a lot of player movement too. But um, I don't think there's been too huge of names coming over right now. Uh, yeah. But the, the, the whole drama with Major League Soccer this offseason, it happened for like a hot day before Ronaldo signed in uh, Saudi Arabia. Yes. There was, there was a strong link, according to Taylor Twelman, that he was going to get a uh, sporting Kansas City. Yeah. The deal that almost never happened. Yeah. <laughs> almost I, happened, I could guess. Could you imagine Cristiano Ronaldo living in Kansas City? I cannot. In the middle of America? I cannot. Like, he has nothing to do. <laughs> hey, Kansas City is a good town. All our Kansas City listeners out there, you call, call in or email us for... What Cristiano would have done in Kansas City on his days off. <laughs> wow, that is, that's a great segment for next time. Yes, what would Cristiano, Chris, Chris, Cristiano, wow, I just created a new term. What would he have done in Kansas City on his nights off? Where, where he, would his spots have been? Maybe he would have been like original, like Ronaldo, like right after he retired. It was like, I got to live my life and then just like gained a little weight. Like maybe Ronaldo would have actually done that in Kansas City with all the barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. He probably would have probably put on a few. You know, those abs might have disappeared with all that barbecue. <laughs> yeah, you never true. know. You never know. Yeah, so not yeah, not a huge number of big names coming into the league. There are, I think, a few more Syria A players. There's always South American talent coming in. So nothing nothing too much to report. We'll, we'll get into some names probably in, a, in an actual preview of, 
of uh, MLS to look forward to. But we have an expansion team, St. Louis City SC, speaking of Midwest. Speaking of Kansas City, they're the new rivals for Kansas City. Yeah, they have a beautiful new stadium, too. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing the, the full nine in the stadium, all the facilities. It's, it's looking good. Yeah, Jersey looks great. They yes. Have, uh, did you see who their sponsor, their Jersey sponsor is? Who is it? Purina. Purina. <laughs> looks great. Dog food, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, St. Louis, your dog food capital of the <laughs> of the United States. Yeah, it's either going to be beer or dog food. Yeah, yeah, that's that's Midwest for you, beer or dog food. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, pick think, your lunch. <laughs> yeah, but I think looking in uh, this year, keep a keep an eye out for a major league soccer team to make a deep run into the Champions League, um, where we saw like the Champions League winner last year, Concacaf Champions. Yeah, Concacaf. Yeah, uh, Champions League. Uh, Seattle also, Sounders. Yeah, we also have the World Cup coming up. The, the Club, World, Club Cup. World Cup. Yeah. First time ever the MLS will be represented at the Club World Cup, right? Yes, I think so. I think it is. Yeah, because they play... In, it's in February. Yeah, in Morocco. In the Morocco. The Sounders have a bye. Uh, they, I think they play either, either a team from New Zealand or a team from... Maybe Africa? Is it Africa or Asia? Africa or Asia. One of the, I'm looking up the schedule right now. Might be a team from Morocco. Um, or no, it's an Egyptian team. It's, yeah, I think it is that. Yeah. So Here we go. I got the bracket coming up here right now. Okay. So they will play the winner of Al-Ali, which is, I believe, in the, they're a Middle Eastern team. I can't remember if they're like UAE or... Or uh, I feel like Saudi Arabia. Oh, they could be Egyptian. Uh, versus Auckland City FC. So exa- exactly. So Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, they'll play the winner of that game. And then who do they play after that? They will play the winner. Uh, they will play Real Madrid. Oh, Look out. Fun. Jordan Morris is coming for you. Yeah, watch out. Speed and power. Speed <laughs> and power. If you can go after your... Uh, the Welsh, he can go after Real Madrid. That's right. That's going to be fun. I hope that happens. I, I do, too. I do, too. There'll be, you know, it's that classic case with, with CONCACAF Champions League. It's it's the MLS season will not have started yet, so it'll be kind of like the preseason version of Seattle. Mm-hmm. But hopefully they're training hard. Hopefully they can make some noise. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, look out for those two. Uh, but also look out for, like, one or two surprise teams here and there. Always a surprise team. There always is. Although I think, I think we talked about this last year too. The clubs that have it together are more consistently coming out like top of the table. Your LAFCs, your Philadelphia Unions, New York uh, City FC, New York City FC. Uh, who else? In the, well, Seattle had a down year, but they're typically. I mean, that was their first down year in a while. Yeah. Uh, Portland Timbers are typically always a. Those clubs that have it together, they're—I I would even throw New York Rebels in there. They're consistently in the playoffs. Those are those are. So we'll see if if 2023 continues that trend, or if we really do see a shakeup. Yeah, we'll It'll see. Be, it's going to be a fun year. I think Montreal might have been the big upstart team. One of them of 2022, they were really really good. So we'll see who's the upstart team, but we'll see if those big clubs, quote-unquote big clubs, can keep their momentum going. All right, Jake. Speaking of what to look out for, 
Let's let's go back to the U.S. men's national team, like we always do. We all we can't get can't get away from it. We're gonna look at we're gonna throw some names out there, guys that you might hear over the next six months to a year as guys that might need a look. And I should say we're doing this podcast a little bit prelimin- preliminarily because there is going to be a January camp for the men's, and they have not uh, released the roster. They but they are going to be playing some friendlies at the end of the month. Uh, so <laughs> I bet you tomorrow they will drop the roster. Of oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I thought it was supposed to be today. So uh, unfortunately, we didn't get that. But uh, a few like younger players that are probably like that, tw- like between 19, 20, really young. Uh, you have John uh, Tolkien, who's been linked with like teams overseas, but he's a left back for the New York Red Bulls, mm-hmm. and one of the really good attacking option and great defender. And then everybody should know the name Brendan Aronson, uh, but Paxton Aronson is mm-hmm. his younger brother who's supposed to be more technically gifted than him. Uh, he actually had a transfer over uh, the winter window uh, from the Philadelphia Union to Eintracht Frankfurt. Eintracht Frankfurt. Yes, with our buddy, Timmy oh, Chandler. Oh, he's joining Timmy <laughs> Chandler. Yeah, we got a Timmy Chandler. Now. Oh, Let's man, go. Timmy Chandler's going to take him under his wing. It's going to be great. He's going to have a great career now. Yeah, no, it's going to be uh, fantastic. And then uh, somebody who made a huge impact in the MLS Cup final uh, a couple years ago, Aiden Morris. Uh, he's only 20 years old and center um, center midfielder for the Columbus crew. Yep, yep. Um, then No relation to Jordan. No relation to Jordan. No. <laughs> but they kind of got the same build. They do. They're, yeah, they're very stoutly built. Yeah, tanks. (laughs) Um, And then another person that we talked about a lot, Cade Cal. Hopefully he can finally get the hump over this year and uh, get a big uh, transfer overseas. And then uh, just looking at the German League, always got to shout out our guy, Kevin Paredes. Kevin Paredes. Another left wing back kind of guy. Yeah. Is he? Do you think he'll be he'll married as a left back or like a left wing back winger kind um, of person? I think he'll be a left wing back or a left winger. Yeah, yeah, he's de- he's definitely got talent going forward. I think, but yeah, you mentioned it. The CCs, so Cade Cowell and Caden Clark, uh, we're we're waiting to see if they can both break out. Very very talented individuals. Cade Cowell is still only eighteen, and he's just he looks like he's twenty seven. Only eighteen. I think I think he's still eighteen. <laughs> He's unbelievable. And he's already got like a year and a half of MLS season under his belt. It's yeah. insane. So those are some some pretty MLS-centric, besides Kevin Paredes, uh, guys. But I, I've been looking. I've just been looking. It's interesting. You look at some of the younger guys that we had high hopes on, guys like Ulysses Yanez, uh, Alex Mendez, Richie Ledez, uh, Matthew Hoppy. Owen Otisawi, guys like that, they're kind of fizzling. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Most of those guys are in, you know, those those kind of quote-unquote second-tier leagues like the Belgian League, like like Portugal, like um, Matthew Hoppe's at Middlesbrough now in the championship. Yeah, but he's they're, playing with their reserves. He's, he is playing with their reserves. They're just not getting the first-team minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're all in their 20s now, and it it's just seems like the – I don't know. Maybe maybe one of those guys will will actually take off in these next few years, but it, they're just not. The bets aren't hitting with them, really. Yeah. And that's why, like, when we look at this. Like, the player development is key to get players from anywhere and just get them to like give them a pathway. They're pros. 
yeah. whether it's USL, Major League Soccer, just give them that pathway and like try to see how many players we can develop um, and get continue to get better and better at it. Yeah, I mean and the fact is they're they're overseas. They're they're trying it. They're they're making a living overseas, and that's what we want. Yeah. Uh, but some some names that have been overseas for a little bit that you might just hear about over the next year or so. Uh, Taylor Booth. He is a 21-year-old central midfielder, plays for FC Utrecht in the Netherlands. Two goals, two assists, 16 games so far this year, uh, about halfway through. Not a bad showing for a young, and he's he's kind of a, I don't think there's an exact comparison to the current men's national team. He's kind of like a bursty type of central midfielder. Like he's he's kind of an eight that's all over the place and he can give you really nice bursts going forward. So watch out for him. Another guy, Justin Che, he's still kind of working his way through the Hoffenheim youth system. He's only 19. Very a very uh, promising center back option, Justin Che. So so you might see some some news about him. And then Brian Reynolds, not exactly a new guy, but somebody who's contributing pretty regularly with Westerlo, who is in the Belgian top league. Um, yet another right back. We just have so many right backs trying to ply their trade and break in. But those are three guys that are gaining a little bit of momentum overseas that you might hear about. But Isn't there another American at Westerlo? There could be. There could be. Westerlo, I, I I don't even know single other thing about that club other than other than Brian Reynolds plays for them. I think the again the guys that you saw at the World Cup are are continue are probably going to continue to be the guys, but we do need to build that depth. And so the names that Jake and I just mentioned, those are some of the guys that you might just hear about building that depth as kind of second or third string options behind some of our main our main players. Yeah, uh, Griffin Yao. Ah, uh, Griffin, them. yeah, of course, another DC United connection. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if we hear anything about him as well. All right, Jake, well, we covered a lot. And, and not to mention, so the, the US U-20 men's national team will be competing, competing at the U-20 World Cup this year. Uh, let's just get our bearings on that. So that'll be in Hyala Dunia. Oh, Indonesia. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, they always play in like Indonesia, I think. Do they? Yeah, it feels like yeah Southeast Asia. Got it, got it. So they haven't done the draw yet, so we don't know who's going to be in whose group. Mm-hmm. But we have qualified, thank goodness. <laughs> we usually do for the U20 World. Yeah, it's, it's coming up. It's always a promising tournament for us. Some of the guys we mentioned have uh, were on the team, so I'll just bring up the, the latest roster that we had. So Justin Che, I mentioned, was on the team. Paxton Aronson, Caden Clark, CC number one. Who else? Kevin Paredes was on the team last time they came out. And so there's there's a pretty big pool. So some of the other names, Cade Cowell was recently called up as well. So, you know, a lot of those guys. So we'll see if they make noise in Indonesia. Yeah. Should be a fun one. But yeah, do they even have their group and that kind of stuff? No, they have not released the pots even. Oh, wow. According to Wikipedia. It could, it could be outdated. <laughs> so World Cup galore. Yeah. Australia, Indonesia, all over the Asia Pacific. Yeah. And then hopefully we have, uh, we even have Gold Cup. And, Le- and yeah, and Nations League. Yeah, Nations League, like way too many trophies. It's going to come up real fast. We're in a very pretty, pretty relaxed period right now, aren't we? Yeah. 
But uh, not for the U.S. Women's, women's National Team. Things are ramping up. Yeah, things are ramping up. A huge year. Well, Jake, it's a magic carpet ride, isn't it? It is. Every year with the U.S. Soccer Federation is a magic carpet ride. Yeah, but you know who took the United States National Team to a whole new world? The guy, the guy that's gonna end it for us. Ended for us on this yes. podcast, or ended for us in life? Like, who? What's what's he gonna end, Jake? <laughs> I hope he just ends the podcast. <laughs> okay, for now he's just ending. Yeah. Our Aladdin, Clint Dempsey. And on that note, deuces.